This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and it's day two of the Build Your Training Plan Challenge. The focus of day two is intention, so stay tuned. If you're looking for ways to bring more joy into your running and you want to be a physically and mentally stronger runner, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right. So let's start. Welcome to day two of the Build Your Training Plan Challenge. We're so glad you guys are all here today. So on day one, okay, those of you that were with us on day one, bear with us for a second. We're going to do a little recap, okay? If those, For those of you that missed it, there is a replay, okay? Again, if you have signed up with your email, you will get the link for that replay. It should be in your email, um, in your email. Uh, inbox. So on day one, we talked about the four main problems that are facing most runners. Come on up. I'm here. (laughs) You don't want the top of your head to get cut off. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) And some of the common mistakes and misconceptions that runners make when thinking about choosing a training plan. So again, if any of you don't know us, we're Angie and Kevin Brown. We're the founders of Real Life Runners, the Training Academy, and the podcast. And we help runners learn how to be physically and mentally stronger runners so they can achieve their goals and live a life of their dreams. So on day one, we talked about the first step to achieve any running goal. Okay. So whether or not you want to run a marathon, half marathon, a 5k, maybe you just are new to running and you want to start running more consistently. Maybe you've been running for a while and you have been plagued by injury or inconsistency. And your goal is to get back to running three times a week on a consistent basis for general health and fitness, whatever your goal might be the first step to achieving that goal is awareness, okay? When you become aware of where you are right now, that will give you clarity. And so many runners find themselves confused because they're really not sure where they are right now. And so when they try to think about making a plan, they kind of go in and they they find whatever plan they can from the internet or they download a free app and they just start following a training plan. But that plan may or may not be right for you if you're not sure where you are right now, okay? So really understanding and becoming aware of where you are right now with your health, your fitness, your running, your strength, your mobility, all of these different areas is absolutely critical for you to choose the right training plan or make the right training plan for you to move forward towards your goals. Right. So hopefully between Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you were able to get some of the the homework done from the awareness lesson, Mm -hmm. one of which was head out and run and see how it feels. Not go out and run and do something very, very specific, but just go out on your normal run and see how it feels. So Hopefully we've got some people in the room who were able to actually knock that out yep. and see how how did that run feel for you? Yeah, so let us know in the chat if you were able to do the run test where you go out and to assess your effort level. So on a scale of one to 10 with one being super easy and 10 being very, very hard, how hard was your run this week that you you know uh, went out either on Monday or Tuesday to run? How hard was your run on a scale of one to 10? And as you guys are putting that number in the chat box, we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of why we talk about effort level training. Okay. So effort level training, when you go out and you assess your effort level, okay, this is called the rating of perceived exertion or RPE. And RPE is something that 
is utilized in lots of different research studies. It's utilized in the running community, in the weightlifting community, and the sports community. This is just one of those measures that Believe it or not, even though it seems really subjective, right? Like uh, we get so many questions about how do I figure out what this effort level actually is? So it is a very subjective measure, right? Like you're literally just asking yourself, how hard does this feel from one to 10? And you're coming up with a number. So even though it does seem very subjective, the research shows that it is a very effective way to gauge how hard you are pushing yourself on any given day or during any given workout. Right. Cause most people are able to figure out what the middle is. And so then it's easier than that, or it's harder than that. Is it super close to my absolute upper limit? People yeah. are really good. And this is part of bringing awareness. If you're like, mm -hmm. I'm not really sure how hard that was. If you do it a few times, you'll start figuring out what all those different effort levels actually feel like, right. but you have to pay attention. You can't just mindlessly go out and run. You have to kind of think for a little bit of how difficult is this, mm -hmm. which leads to the second point of how hard should you be running? Because yeah. on the assignment, there was no goal. It was to simply bring awareness to how hard are you doing it? But there is a preferred method. Right. And the one thing I want to say before we go into like how hard you quote unquote should be running is that people often want to know if they're doing this right, right? Mm -hmm. People often say like, I don't know if I'm measuring my effort level correctly. And the answer is you are because it's within you. So the more you do this and the more you practice this and actually learn what different runs feel like in your body, what it feels like to go different speeds, different paces, and then what those effort levels feel like for you, you're going to become much better at assessing this effort level as you continue to practice this. And so it doesn't matter what the effort level feels like in Kevin's body, because he, when I run, I'm not in his body, I'm in my body. So it matters how that effort level feels to me. Okay. So when we talk about effort level training, when you think about building your training plan, okay, which we're going to start to get into a little bit today. Um, tomorrow or Friday is going to be like the big day of actually building out that training plan. Okay. Today we're going to talk about, again, we're going to be talking about more awareness. We're going to go into step two and then building that training plan is step three on Friday. But when we think about constructing the training plan, most of our runs during the course of our week should feel easy. And when we say easy, we mean like a level two out of 10. Okay, so if I go into the chat here, we've got you guys, we've got a three, a six, four, four, maybe a five, five. I had a tough interval session on the schedule. So an eight, but a normal easy run like a two or a three. Right. And so, Jen, I can see that you already have an idea of what effort level training is and what it should feel like in your body. Right. But like a lot of the people that answered here in the chat, most people, most runners, when they just go out and run, especially if they don't know anything about effort level training or pacing or anything like that, if, if you're new to running or if you've just never really done any research or listen to podcasts about what running, you know, how you should structure your running, there's a lot of people that just go out and run and they don't even understand that there should be different effort levels or different types of runs. And so most people, when they go out and run, end up around that level five area, somewhere from like four to six is like a typical area where most people fall. And that's really that moderate effort level, right? Easy, we're going to consider like one to three, moderate would be four to six, and then hard would be seven to 10. All right. And most people fall in that four to six range when they just go out on a quote unquote normal run. And what happens here is when you are pushing yourself in that moderate range on every single one of your runs, 
it can lead to a lot of plateau because your body is tired. You're actually pushing yourself too hard. And this is a, a hard thing for a lot of people to start to understand because many people get into running. If you guys are anything like me, I got into running because I wanted to lose weight. And so my mind was always on burning the most calories. So if I went out and I pushed myself harder, I would burn more calories. And so the longer I went and the harder I pushed, that would equal more calorie burn. And so that's how a lot of people get into running and they think, well, if I just push myself a little bit harder, I'll be able to burn more calories. I'll be able to lose more weight. Maybe then you start to think about performance. You're like, I want to get a little bit faster. So if I just mm -hmm. push a little bit harder, I'll get faster and that will get me in better shape. If I just run a bit, little bit longer, then that will allow me to continue to improve my endurance and then I'll get in better shape, but that's not actually how it works. Right. You need to make sure that you're actually running easy enough. Mm -hmm. As you said, most people kind of put themselves somewhere in the four to six. If you're feeling good, sometimes people push a little bit and they push up to a six, mm -hmm. but usually not beyond that. Or if they're feeling pretty tired, they'll pull back and they make it an easier, but it's an easier at a four. If you're able to pull back and make your easier runs down in that closer to two range, mm -hmm. then when you're like, okay, now it's time to push, you can push to that seven and eight range. And so you have that wider split between your easier runs and your harder runs. You're able to push harder mm -hmm. and get the benefits from the more difficult physically taxing runs. And you're able to get physical benefits from the easy runs that your body misses out on when you're doing all of the running at medium effort levels. Right. So easy running is actually very important and should make up the majority of your training. 80% of your runs should be done at a level two effort level. And oftentimes when I say this, people are like, like mind blown. What are you talking about? 80% of my runs should feel easy. And the answer is yes. If you want a sustainable long-term relationship with running, if you want to make sustainable long-term progress in your running, if you want to minimize your risk of injury, you need to be doing 80% of your runs at a level two because level two is number one, it's easier on the body, right? There's a reason we call it easy effort level. It doesn't feel as hard, right? But a lot of people say, well, if I'm going that easy, am I really getting any benefits? And the answer yes. is absolutely. <laughs> okay. When you run at an easy effort level, how do you, number one, how do you know that you're running at an easy effort level? The answer is not on your watch, right? Like we talked about on day one, we don't want you attached to these devices and, and letting you know that you're exactly at the right pace for an easy effort level. Even the people that are looking at heart rate, we're, we're, we're taking technology out of this week, okay? When you go out and run, you at a level two, you should feel like your breathing is completely normal, completely comfortable, and you could have a conversation with another person. So right now, Kevin and I are just running alongside of each other. We could be going back and forth. I might not be able to talk, um, you know, all of the paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs like I'm talking right now without needing to take a little break, bit of a break, but I can easily get out a full sentence, a couple of sentences without feeling like I'm out of breath. Right. The conversation shouldn't be interrupted by your breathing. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what easy running is. Right. If you want like a very broad category of you're able to carry on a conversation and the conversation is not affected at all mm -hmm. by the fact that you're running. If other people were listening to the conversation, they wouldn't know 
know if you were just standing there, if you were having lunch with each other, or if you were in the middle of a run, that's how easy it is. Yeah. If you move yourself yourself up, that you're like, oh no, I can definitely talk at this pace. But at the end of every sentence, you have to pause and take that breath, or you'll say a couple of sentences, but then it needs to be the other person's time to talk. You've slid into medium. And here's the thing. So many of us are running at medium efforts and we've gotten mm -hmm. so good with this. And if we're running in a group, we're trying to carry mm -hmm. on a conversation. So we've essentially practiced trying to have conversations at an effort level above us. But if you think back to the last time you were running and chatting with somebody, were you straining to do both? Because you shouldn't be straining to have that conversation and to run simultaneously if it's a genuinely easy effort. Exactly. So that's how you know if you are at a level two. Yeah. And I got a wow here in the comment from Cindy. It's true, right? Like when you hear this, you're like, that can't be right, right? But when you run at that easy effort level, your body becomes more efficient at using fuel because you have more oxygen available to you. Because when you're running easy, you are taking in more oxygen and you are giving your body more time to take that oxygen out of your lungs, move it into the blood and get that blood taking the oxygen down to your working muscles. So your body becomes more efficient. You also become more efficient at fuel um, burning. Like you can burn fat more efficiently at lower, easier effort levels. People, once you start to get into the four to six range, you're using different fuel systems. You're using more carbohydrates and glycogen stores and, um, the sugar that is in your body, which is much more limited than the fat that we have in our body. Okay. The fat we have is like, it gives us more energy. Like when we oxidize a molecule of fat, we actually have more energy available to us. And most of us want to be burning fat anyway, right? We don't really care about burning off our glycogen stores. We want to be burning some of those fat stores. And so when you are running at that easy pace, that allows your body to tap into those different fuel systems more effectively and more efficiently. Yeah. I mean, one of the other things, just because I love saying it, I, is I, was, I easy, left it for you. At the easy paces, your <laughs> body is able to create more mitochondria, which as we all learned in like high school biology is the powerhouse of the cell. It's what's going to help yep. provide energy to do whatever activity it is. And sure, at higher effort levels, you get your body actually gets better at making the mitochondria, mitochondria the individual guys actually better at energy exchange. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to work in energy exchange and you have 10 10 mitochondria, you're going to reach the ceiling pretty quickly. If easy running can turn your 10 mitochondria into 10,000 mitochondria, and then you do some higher effort levels and they all become more efficient, yep. you're going to be able to get much faster, be able to run way farther than you ever thought because you're tapping into that easier running. Exactly. In addition to the mitochondria, you also build more capillary networks. Capillaries are the very small blood vessels that take the blood like from the arteries. There's like a whole network of blood vessels in your body and capillaries are kind of the end of the line that actually take the blood down into the working muscles. So your body actually creates new capillary networks within your muscles to get more blood and more oxygen to those working muscles. And all of that happens most effectively at a level two. Some of it does still happen when you're in that four to six range. It's just not as effective because your body's trying to just kind of keep up with oxygen need and the, the energy need that you are demanding of it. So it doesn't really have time to make the, all those extra things. When you're down at an easy level two area, your body has time to kind of 
give you the energy that you need for your run and also improve your system so that you'll be able to run faster and run farther the next time you go out and run. Cause that's the whole point, right? We are trying to continuously improve ourselves so that we can have a long-term relationship with running. And so that we can continue to improve in our forties, our fifties, our sixties and beyond. That's what we're helping you guys with. So hopefully that's something that you want. And if that's something you want, give me a yes in the chat because Level two, easy running is going to be one of the main components for you to get there. So tell me a yes if you are willing to slow down and go easier on your running. Yes. Jen makes a great comment about collegiate runners. Like it seems as though the theme within every single college running program is the exact opposite Mm -hmm. of this. It's push yourself and see who's still standing at the end of the season. Yes. I was a D1 college runner also. And that's essentially what you've got. There are a few programs that are starting to bring in more of that easy running, but the problem is it might be easy running for the kids at the very top of the team, but the tier right behind them are mm-hmm. just staying with the group and it's not right. easy running for everybody. It kind of goes back to what we were saying yesterday is you need a plan that works the best for you, mm-hmm. not necessarily the person running with you. Exactly. If the plan's perfect for them, it might not be perfect for you. Right. And so like Jen points out here, um, the other benefit of easy running is injury risk reduction. You reduce your risk for injuries because if you are constantly running in that four to six range or even higher, right? Sometimes in that seven to eight range, you are breaking your body down. All right. And when you are breaking your body down and then not following that with enough recovery, enough fueling, enough nutrition, um, and hydration and all the other things that your body needs to help rebuild, you're constantly breaking down without building back up. Okay. So basically when we work out, our bodies have what's called a stress recovery cycle. So the goal of working out is actually not getting your body stronger, believe it or not. A lot of people think that they get stronger during their workouts, but that is actually false. You actually get weaker during your workouts. The goal of the workout is to break your body down And then during recovery, your body builds back up stronger than it was before, because what you do is you're you're providing the stimulus to your body and your body was like, Ooh, that was hard. I I wasn't quite ready for that. And then like we were less, I was listening to a podcast. Did you catch the last one? Of course you want to just slightly embarrass the body. He said, the goal of your workout is to slightly shame your body (laughs) because like, it's like you take yourself to a point where it's it's okay. That was kind of too hard, you know? And then your body's like, okay, I'm going to be prepared next time. I'm not going to let that happen again. So your body builds up stronger than it was before. So that the next time it encounters that same stimulus, it's better prepared. Okay. So during our harder workouts and our harder runs, we're breaking the body down. And it is during our rest and recovery and our easy runs that we're building our body back up. And so if you are constantly doing your runs in the four to six range or above and not doing any of your running in that two to three range, or even, you know, the one range going out for a walk sometimes or a, a super easy recovery run, then you're you're not getting the benefits of building yourself back up and allowing yourself to, to um, tackle the next runner workout stronger. Yeah, fantastic. So that's really good awareness on effort levels, but they were more than just the go out for a run test. There were some very important strength tests, which help you be super aware of particular weaknesses that you have in your body. Yes. This is another massive way to try to reduce the chances of injury. Mm -hmm. If you can highlight weak areas in your body, not just like, oh, well, this particular muscle, but these muscles that you desperately need as a runner to optimize your running performance, which muscles are weakness, 
that's going to help you try and reduce as best as possible the chance of injury. Right. So let us know in the chat, what did those strength tests reveal to you? Okay. So you guys had three strength tests. You had the sit to stand, uh, the single leg sit to stand, the side plank test, and the single leg calf raise test. What did you notice in those strength tests? Was it, Were any of them hard for you? Were, were all of them easy for you? How did you do with those strength tests and go ahead and put that in the chat and then we'll we'll come in and we'll talk a little bit about um you know what you guys found out individually if anybody is like me um more than a decade ago when i fell in love with a physical therapist i <laughs> learned that it's really hard to stand up from a chair using only one leg i thought i was super fast and therefore my legs had to be strong but it turns out the muscles that you need to stand up with one leg are not the same thing as running a fast 5k well they they kind of are but it's sort of. it's different right okay so why is strength so important as a runner okay so one of the biggest mistakes that we see runners making is thinking that in order to be a better runner, I just need to go out and run more. So if I want to get faster, I have to run more. If I want to, you know, be able to go longer, I have to run more. And so people just continue to throw more time and more miles into their running without thinking about the other things that are contributing to their performance and their ability as a runner. And as a runner, you are an athlete. And what we have found throughout the years is that most recreational runners, those of us that just kind of run for fun, right? We're not professionals. We're not elite athletes. We're not getting paid to do this. We are recreational runners. A lot of recreational runners do not think of themselves as athletes and they don't treat their running like training, right? They're like, oh, well, I'm not training for anything right now. I just go out and run, right? I just, I just run. But if you're just running and you're not training, can you see why you might be disappointed that you're not making progress? Because you are not thinking and acting like an athlete. Think about any athlete. Now, let, let's just look at athletes at a very high level. If we look at professional athletes, and I understand that we are not professional athletes, but there's a lot that we can still take from the way that professional athletes train and act. When we look at professionals, if they if they have a sport, right? So let's just say basketball, right? If you, if you were a, an Olympic level basketball player, you would not just go out and play basketball all day long, right? Basketball athletes also spend time in the weight room. They spend time doing conditioning. They spend time um, in, in physical therapy, like with a massage therapist, like doing maintenance work on their bodies. They get massages regularly. They probably have a nutritionist on staff that's telling them exactly what they need to eat and what they need to fuel, how they need to fuel their body. There's a lot, they, they do specific drills, right? That, that's what I was going to say is even when they're playing basketball, it's not just continuous games. It's of not just a game they play right? to get better at it. There yeah. are very specific drills where they're practicing just on shooting, just on like the angle that their arm is, just on yep. dribbling skills. There's also, they break the game down to its components mm -hmm. and work on the individual components to improve the overall game because there are specific skills that can be improved. Right. Running works the same way. Mm -hmm. There are specific skills that can be improved. Exactly. And so as a runner, whatever that looks like for you, what it doesn't, it doesn't matter what your pace is. It doesn't matter what your distance is. I want you to start thinking of yourself as an athlete. You need to start thinking and training like an athlete 
if you want to improve. Like if you're fine, just like going out and running, you know, a three mile loop every day and, and just being fine with whatever time that is, and, and you know, you're, you're okay with that, then great, have at it, right? But we are talking to you if you are looking to improve in some way. So maybe that looks like you want to improve your pace. Maybe you want to improve your endurance and be able to run longer distances. Maybe you want running to just feel better in your body. Maybe you want to be more consistent with it, right? There's a lot of different ways that we can improve. Maybe you do have some pain or an injury that you're trying to, to rehab from and you want your body to feel stronger so that you're not sore and achy and pain in pain all the time, right? Like all of those are fantastic ways for you to improve. But in order for, for you to improve in any of those ways, you need to start thinking of yourself as an athlete and training yourself as an athlete. And a big component of that for us as runners is strength training, all right? And now this is where my background as a physical therapist comes in. I, I got my doctorate in physical therapy in 2007. So I've been practicing now for over 15 years. I've worked with lots of runners, hundreds of runners, probably thousands of runners at this point um, throughout the years and help them understand that as runners, it's so important for us to strength train because when we have areas of weakness, that's what leads to our form breaking down. That's what leads to those forces on our body, like going into our joints and our body not being able to um, properly absorb those forces and properly like take on those forces. Because every with every step that you take as a runner, you are taking your full body weight times about three, like two and a half to three times your body weight is falling on one leg every single step. Okay. That's a lot of force, right? So we're not just talking, if you weigh 150 pounds, it's not 150 pounds of force going through your leg. It's about 400 to 450 pounds of force going through that leg with every single step. So you can probably see if your muscles are weak, that there's a reason that your knee is hurting because every step that you're taking is putting 450 pounds of force through that knee. Right. And this is why strength training is so important. You point out all the different the areas that you might want to improve, run further, run faster. But the athlete that's out there just knocking out their three or four miles and they're happy and totally content with that. If that athlete is not strength training also, it's going to have those injuries that slowly creep up and develop over time. None of us are getting younger the next day that we wake up. Mm -hmm. And as, as we age, the it's harder for the body to hold onto muscle. So you have to actually actively do things to maintain and increase the muscle mass inside of your body yep. or it's it's fine I just do a nice three miles it's nice and easy and it's totally comfortable for me is eventually going to lead to I do three miles every other day because I can't do it every day my knee starts acting up on right. it or now it's more like a, a three mile but I walk most of it because my hip is hurting so much my ankle is bothering me my mm -hmm. back is bothering me the strength training is going to help you maintain what you're currently doing even if all you're looking for is maintenance strength is still incredibly important. Right. Because after the age of 30, we actually start losing muscle mass. Okay. This is a natural phenomenon called sarcopenia. If you guys like those big fancy terms that you can use yes, I do. cocktail parties. Well, Kevin already got to say mitochondria. So I get to say sarcopenia. Sarcopenia means that our bodies, as we age, we just naturally start to lose muscle mass. Okay. And this starts to happen basically by the age of like 30, 35, if we don't do something about it. Okay. In strength training is what we need to do about it. Okay. When we lift weights, when we do resistance training and that, that can start with body weight training, right? We does, it doesn't have to start in the gym with really heavy weights. Okay. Like we can talk about differences in strength training. Actually, we, we won't have time to go into that 
during this challenge. Okay. We, we definitely go into that in great detail inside of our Academy with all of our clients, but as body weight training is enough when you start out. Okay. Because it's important for you to start to learn the movements. It's important for you to um, have enough motion so that you can perform those movements correctly with proper form. Okay. But when you do strength training exercises, you are actually fighting the effects of aging because you are building lean muscle mass in your body. And lean muscle mass is so important for us as runners, like, especially if we want to, you know, improve in any way, run faster, run longer, but it's also just very important for us as humans, because as we get older, our muscle mass helps to, um, it, it helps our metabolism. It helps our bone health because when, when you have stronger muscles, they actually pull harder on your bones. Like when, when I'm moving my arm just up and down, like my muscle is attached to my bone and it, it contracts. And so it's pulling on the bone that actually helps my bones stay healthy as well. Okay. So there's lots of benefits to building lean muscle mass and big ones for us as runners are performance and injury prevention. All right. So I think that we've, we've done pretty good on making sure that everybody understands that you should be running easy. And the more you think about how you run, the more you're going to be able to put a number on how hard it works and the strength training, mm -hmm. right? Various people had some different challenges. All right, we're going to go, let's see what we got. Yeah. We're going to go into the chat here, uh, chat here and check out. Um, <clears throat> Jen says my glutes are weak. I know it. I'm working on it. Yep. Aren't we all sit to stand was hard, single-legged. Yeah. Katya, I agree. Like, and this is the funny thing is how many times do we like get up out of a chair every day, right? Like we're like, oh, it's a sit to stand test. Like I, I do that all the time. I've got this on lockdown, but I- But when you take don't. away a leg, <laughs> right? And you're trying to put all of that effort into one leg, it is amazing how difficult it can become, right? And that is really showing you that level of weakness that we have. But if you think about running, and this is the reason that I give, I gave you a single leg sit to stand, I gave you a side plank, which is really, you know, on one leg and yep. single leg calf raises. Because if you think about running, running is a single leg activity, okay? Every time we run, we are essentially jumping from leg to leg over and over and over again, right? So when you land on one leg, the other leg is up in the air. And that one leg has to do its job to stabilize your body, except your full body, well, three times your body weight, right? And then also propel you forward all within a fraction of a second, okay? So your strength and your ability for your body to accept your weight and propel you forward all of that is so important. Okay. And that's why we really focused on single leg exercises because single leg strengthening is a very functional way for us to train as runners. Uh, Penny said, I struggle with the sit to stand, particularly on the injured leg. Um, the others were easy, but single leg sit to stand was so hard. I went back to see if it's actually what you asked me to do. Yeah. You're like, yes, wait was. a second. Yeah. Yep. Sit to stand. It's hard. <clears throat> I do sit to stand in calf raises and my strength exercises plank was the hardest. Okay. I could actually do the single leg to stand, but I could do a few without using momentum. That's really good mm -hmm. to notice Cindy. Yeah. Like we like, kind of like, like ho hoist ourselves up, right. Versus doing it in a controlled manner. And that is definitely different. 
Um, plank on the left was harder, maybe because of my scoliosis, possibly. That's a good awareness yeah. also. I mean, um, all of this is so good to bring your awareness to where you're mm -hmm. currently at, because it highlights, especially if one side is weak compared to the other, that's, that's a difference in the body. So as you run, there's going to be like rotation in the body, likely yep. if one side is stronger than the other. So your form is not going to be matching. You're going to lose some symmetry and that leads itself to more likely to be injured. Exactly. Um, yeah, maybe you could do an effective uh, minimum effective dose of strength training. That's a good one, Leticia. The answer is twice a week. Okay. Yeah, that's an the answer is minimum twice a week. Okay. It does not have to be super long. It can be short. It can be 15 to 20 minutes if you are doing the right exercises. Okay. Um, that the key is that you are doing the right exercises. You are putting focus and effort into them. I apologize if you guys are hearing our dog right now. She is uh, chasing the the uh, gardeners outside. <laughs> so that's what's happening over here. Hopefully, hopefully Zoom is doing a good job of filtering out that sound. Um, Sharon says, sit to stand was so much better this time. Thanks to your strength training. Yay, Sharon. I'm glad that you were able to see that difference too. Yeah, because Sharon is a part of our program and has been doing um, our, our strength exercises in our training, one of our training plans for the last couple of months. And it's so fun when you can see the results of your efforts, right? Like when you can actually start to feel your body getting stronger. Like I remember a comment um, from one of our uh, one of our previous clients who had gone through our program, and he said, um, like he sent me a message and said, I never really thought about how this program would help me in the rest of my life. And he was going up and down out of the attic, getting Christmas decorations <laughs> out of the attic. And he was like, I was just, I felt so much stronger and more stable just doing that. And it made me so happy because it's one of, again, it's proof that our running and our strength support us in our real life, right? Like we talk real life runners, our running and our strength and our fitness support us in our real life. And our real life has to support our running and our health and our fitness as well, right? So this is about so much more than running guys. Like, yes, we want to help make you better runners, stronger runners, but it's also about what happens outside of running, right? Because if you're running, you probably do that for up to about an hour a day, maybe on Saturdays or Sundays, you go a little bit longer, but that's about an hour of your day that you spend working out. What about the other, you know, 15 hours that you're not sleeping, right? Like, how are you feeling in your body during those other 15 hours? What are you able to do? Like, how active are you able to be? How much energy do you have? Like, that's so much more of what this is about as well. Which I think kind of slides a little bit into the third thing that we were bring, bringing awareness to. Do you want to touch just briefly on that? We'll touch briefly on this one. Yeah, because we, sure we want to- plenty of time to get into- We want to get into step two, okay? So performance profile was the other thing that we gave you guys on day one. Um, and so as an athlete, there are many things that go into how you feel and how you perform, okay? And so that performance profile gave you eight areas for you to rate yourself in. So I would love to know in the chat what stood out to you, okay? In that performance profile, if you guys aren't sure what we're talking about, you just have to go to the day one challenge page and download that performance profile. But what stood out to you, okay? We asked you to rate yourself on mindset, on strength, on mobility, um, on nutrition, on your recovery, your sleep, okay? What stood out to you when you were rating yourself there? Because and they rate themselves highly on strength and then actually do the three strength <laughs> right. test thing. Mm, maybe I need an eraser on yeah, this Yeah, like one. what, you know, what, what numbers were high for you? What numbers were lower for you? What is an area that you think you would like to improve about on? Go ahead and put those numbers in the chat. And then we're going to move on to step two of the Real Life Runners Method here. Um, 
as you guys are, are putting that in. Because what we want you to, the, the, the goal of that performance profile was to show you all of the things that have an effect on your running, because it's not just running. To improve as a runner, you have to do more than run. You have to take care of yourself as a, as a human, as a person, right? And you have to think of yourself as an athlete in many of those different areas. Yeah. If any one of those areas is, is like all the way down, it's just not going to work. Like you have to make sure that, that most areas, you don't have to have all of them ranked as high as possible, mm -hmm. but you can't be completely lacking in any one area. The pie is just not going to work well. Yeah. Penny asked, I didn't get what mindset was about. Is that confidence? Confidence is an aspect of mindset. Okay. But it's basically mindset is, you know, how, how strong do you feel mentally? Do you feel like you are a strong, you know, like you, you are strong in your mental game in your mental skills of like, when you're going out, um, on a run, are you able to push through when things get hard? You know, like when your brain is telling you to stop and to slow down, like, are you strong mentally? Can you push yourself through on those days that you don't feel like going to work out? Do you have the mental strength to, you know, get yourself out there? do you self-sabotage yourself? Are, you know, is there, are there things that you know, you quote unquote should be doing or things that you want to be doing that you're not doing because you talk yourself out of it. Okay. So all of those pieces go into mindset. Um, we go very deep into mindset inside of our program because there's a lot of things that go into it. It's, you know, it's your sense of identity. It's how you talk to yourself. It's your thoughts that basically, um, dictate how you act in the rest of your life. There's a lot of things that go into mindset, but basically, you know, how, what do you think about yourself mentally? All right. As you guys continue to put your stuff in the chat over here, we're going to move on because we want to make sure that we spend time on step two today. Okay. So it's day two. We're going to go into step two of our real life runners method. And that is intention. Okay. So today we're going to be specifically talking about goals and then obviously how those goals relate to the, our training plan. Now, when we talk about intention, we're talking about your why we're talking about motivation and we're talking about your goals. Okay. And two of the most common mistakes that we see when it comes to goals and plans are number one, people don't have a specific goal. A lot of people are like, Oh yeah, I want to get faster. But like, what does that mean? How fast do you want to get mm -hmm. in what distance, right? Like, do you want a faster 5k? Do you want to have a faster marathon? Those are very different things. Okay. I, I want to be able to run longer. Okay. How long do you want to be able to run? Right? Like if you're running three miles now, do you want to be able to run five or do you want to run 26? Those are big differences, right? So not having a clear goal is the first mistake. And number two is not having the right timeline. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday when we talked about, you know, people choosing training plans without the right timeline. But a lot of times people do set a goal, but then they set the wrong timeline for that goal. So they are like, okay, yeah, I, I want to run a half marathon or I want to run a marathon. Um, I'll sign up for one in two months. And I'm currently running, you know, three miles. That's might, might not be the right timeline for you. Okay. So oftentimes those are the two biggest mistakes that we see when it comes to goal setting. Right. And the problem is without a goal at all, you end up with no real major direction to your training, right. which then really saps some of the motivation. If you don't feel like going out there on, on one particular day, <clears throat> what's going to continue to drive you to go out there. Yep. If there's not a big goal that you're aiming for, you end up just running, but you're not making any progress because there's not something that you're focused on actually trying to achieve. And that leads to not 
not having a goal at all or lacking the specificity. I'd like to run longer. And then you go run longer the next day and you're like, oh, okay, well, I, I did run longer, but mm-hmm. you're not feeling satisfied because there needs to be some actual specificity to the goal too. Right. And if you find yourself choosing a goal or choosing a plan with the wrong timeline, this often leads to doing too much too soon, okay? Because most often when when we talk about the wrong timeline, we talk about people that are not giving themselves enough time. It's not not usually the opposite way around. It's not that you've given yourself too much time, right? It's usually not giving yourself enough time to achieve the goal that you've set for yourself. And so when you don't give yourself enough time, you often do too much too soon, which leads to pain, overtraining, and injury. And also just that, being exhausted all the time, right? You're tired because you're pushing hard all the time trying to improve, right? And so that, again, that sucks a lot of the joy out of running, a lot of the enjoyment, which then is going to make it harder for you to stay motivated toward that goal, right? So those of you that might suffer from inconsistency and think that, oh, I just need to be more motivated, look at the goal that you've set for yourself. Look at the timeline that you've set for yourself because those things can definitely be contributing to that feeling of, you know, dissatisfaction and inconsistency. Yeah, I think goals are great to hang on to, but the timelines have to have some gray area to them. Just because the training plan says that you can get from point A to point B in 12 weeks does not necessarily mean that you can actually do it because the training plans are all written on paper where there is no real life when you write out a training plan on paper. I can create all sorts of beautiful training plans, but when you factor in somebody's actual human existence, there needs to be some wiggle room put into that thing and and the perfect timeline does not always work. Exactly. So why is intention important? Okay. Let's talk about why step two is so important, you know, before you just jump into building a plan. So why do we need to be intentional about our goals and about our timeline? Number one, you want to know the why behind what you're doing. All right. It's very hard to stay motivated if you don't know why you're doing something or if you're doing something that you're not really clear on exactly what you're trying to achieve, right? A lot of people are like, yeah, I want to get in better shape, but like you haven't actually defined what better shape means. You know, you want to be fit. You want to do this. A lot of these goals are, they sound good, but they're very nebulous. They're not specific enough. How do you know when you've actually gotten there? How do you know when you've actually achieved that goal? And that's why intention is so important. Yeah. And one of the other aspects of intention is making sure that that goal does matter to you. Yeah. So it's not just knowing why you're doing it. It's looking at that why and saying, does that why actually matter? Does it matter relative to other things that matter to me in my life? Mm -hmm. Because it might sound cool to tell your friends that you ran a marathon, but if all you're doing is running a marathon to be able to tell people, and it doesn't really matter to you if you run a marathon or not, somewhere through that training plane, it's going to get hard. It's going to get grueling and you're going to struggle to find the motivation to keep doing it. You need to know why. And that why has to be important. Right. Okay. Now let's talk about the importance of goals. Okay. A lot of people, some people have goals. Some people don't have goals to achieve any goal. You need to be clear on that goal first, right? Like let's think about um, our example of our GPS yesterday. Okay. We talked about when you're going on a trip and you pull up Google maps, the first thing that you need to that Google Maps finds is your blue dot, okay? You have to be aware of where you are right now. And that's what we talked about on day one. The second thing you need to do is you need to input a destination, right? You need to know where you're going. You need to have a clear and specific place that you're going to, right? Because that is going to give us direction 
And that's also going to give us checkpoints along the way, right? So if you say, I'm going to go, um, we live in, in South Florida, okay? And say we want to beat the heat and we want to go up to the mountains of Georgia. We could put in to the GPS, to the, to the Google Maps, that we want to go to Georgia, right? And it's like, okay, it, it can get us there, right? But it'll get us to Georgia. But how do we, but that's not actually getting us into the mountains of Georgia where we actually want to go, right? So then we pick maybe a town in Georgia. Okay, that's great. But now where do we go, right? We need to have a place to stay. If we have a specific address of like an Airbnb or VRBO that we decide to rent, we put that specific address in, we're going to get a lot better directions of how to get to from where we are to where we're going, right? And the more specific we get with that goal, the better the, those directions are going to be. And the, your directions are essentially your training plan, right? Like you have to have awareness of where you are. You need to have a goal of where you're going. And then your training plan is the way for you to get there. Right. Because once you even to continue with your your GPS metaphor here, it always gives you options on which path you want to take. Like, do you want to take the one that's that's the most on the highways? Do you want to take the toll roads? It might be a little bit faster, but it might be a little bit more expensive. Do you want to try one of the paths that keeps you off of the highways? It's going to take way longer for you to get there, but it might be a more beautiful scenic route. But the same thing happens with your training. Mm -hmm. Like, do you want the plan that might be a little bit more efficient, but it might be a little bit more risky in terms of injury? Like, you're going to build up the mileage a little bit faster you'd like to hit that, but it, there's a chance that you're going to get hurt. Do you want the plan that's going to take a little bit longer, but it's going to be a little bit of a safer plan? Do you want the one that has, that takes into account that you can't run on Tuesdays and Fridays because of what you've got with your kids or your job or whatever it is. You need a plan that works for you just the same way that you're going to choose the option on GPS that makes the most sense for how you want to travel. Right. But today we're just, we're right now we're talking about those, that goal, right? That destination. But what you're saying about training plans is absolutely true. And we're going, we're going to go into more of those details on day three. Okay. When we're talking about specific options for training plans. Um, and then the last thing we want to talk about is the importance of timeline. Okay. The timeline is important because it helps you to train where you are right now and avoid that law of twos that I was talking about too much, too often, too soon that leads to injury. Okay. There's a little fun thing called the law of twos. Okay. So that's why this is also important. We have to get very clear on step two, right? The intention behind our training, the goal that we have set for ourselves, and then the timeline that we are trying to work with here. Okay. And the downloads from the day two action guide it are are designed to help you go through that process. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that the more clear you are on your intention, the more willing you are to let that timeline stretch out. If the goal really matters, if you really fully grasp that why, and you are driven towards getting that goal with a strong intention, you're aware of where you are and you know, really know where you want to go and why the timeline is less of concern to you. Yeah. You're, you're open to whatever that timeline needs to be. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I have a goal that I'm really, I'm open to a much longer timeline because I am very focused and driven towards that goal. Yeah. And I think that, you know, this is also where a lot of people have difficulty is they want to achieve something and they want to achieve it right now. And that's, I think a big part of our culture that we're in right now. I think that we are in a culture of immediate gratification. Like we were talking about on day one, 
you can Google training plans and you can come up with a seemingly endless option of training plans that are out there, right? There are tons of information. Anything you want to know, you can look up in less than five seconds on the device that you that we all have with us at all times, right? Like it's always there. And so running is one of those things that we don't get immediate results from. And that's one of the things that's can be very frustrating, but it's also so, such a beautiful thing, right? Because there's a lot of people out there that won't put in the time and the work and the effort. And so you know that if you are someone that is willing to put in the time and the work and the effort, you are going to get the results that you have if you give it the right timeline. And I always ask people, you know, when they come in and they're like, well, I've signed up for this marathon and I'm doing it in, in three months or two months. And I'm like, what's the rush? Like, really, what is the rush? have whatever goal you want to have, but are you open to the timeline? Are you willing for it to take longer than you think it might if you are guaranteed to get there, right? Or does it have to be on this timeline right now? Like why right now? Why so fast? Like what is the rush? What are you trying to get to so quickly, right? Like if you're like us and if you're like the hundreds of runners that we coach, the goal is to have a sustainable long-term relationship with running. Like I want to be like that 85 year old, 95 year old lady on the track running hundred meters and trying to set a world record, you know, because that would be so fun, right? Like it, I don't need to like destroy my body right now in training so that I am just riddled and with, you know, debilitating arthritis and never able to walk again. Okay. That's not what I'm trying to do to myself. And those of you that might already have arthritis, I want to make a quick note that you can still run. Okay. We have had people in our program that come in with like severe knee arthritis. One person comes to mind in particular, she came in saying, my knees are bone on bone. I, my doctor told me not to run. And I said, I disagree with that. And I, I think that if you do it the right way, and if you strengthen the muscles along the way, you'll be able to run. And she is, she just like, mm -hmm. she just got on a call um, with us this month. And she's like, I'm running pain-free. I'm running three times a week. I'm strength training three times a week and I'm running pain-free. And that's what we want for you guys too. If that's something that you're looking for as well. Okay. Like whatever it might be, age, arthritis, whatever thing that you think that you have that's limiting you, I want you to start to challenge that thing, right? And some of you might be like, no, 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 that's a real thing that's actually limiting me. Okay, maybe it is, maybe it's not, right? I want you to just start to question it and to challenge it and to say like, if I did start training differently, if I did build a plan that was actually right for me and my body and gave myself an appropriate timeline, what would be possible for me? just start to start to be open to that possibility. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's so much of what it is, is keep the dreams, keep the goals as big as you want them. Yeah. Just be willing and open to stretching out the timeline. Mm -hmm. So many people want the big goal, but they want it next week. Yeah. And that's just not how distance running works. Mm -hmm. Like the, the gains and the, the buildup, especially for those of you who type that you're doing a, so much of your running at level four to six, 
the gains that you're going to get from pulling back and running at level two are built up over months, over years yeah. of running at that level. And if you've never run at that level before and you're like, well, is it going to matter if I try and get into that running at my age? Yes, it is. It's going to have huge impacts. Being able to ease up on your running, add in some strength training is going to have huge payoffs for years and years to come. Yeah. So find the goal that really matters to you and open yourself up to a timeline that might be a little bit longer than next month mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to find huge amounts of success and we'd love to help you find huge amounts of success absolutely um i love what penny says here i'm strong mentally in all aspects of my life except running okay so then the question becomes penny how do we take that mental strength from those other things and bring that into running right like we think that again running and life are complementary so a lot of times we can find strength or we can find certain things out of running and apply them to our real life but we can also do the opposite we can say i'm succeeding in this area of my life okay how am i showing up in this area and how can i apply that to my running because the two things we're all one you we're all one person right all of it is within us it's just like starting to to connect the dots a little bit more. And that's one of the things that we love helping people with, um, with coaching really. That's what coaching helps to do is it helps to connect the dots. Um, Sarah says, I love that support system was on there. Made me really think how many people truly support my passions. How, how beautiful is that, Sarah? That is fantastic. I love that. Always go further. Initially, my overall rating would have been high three, four, but when I really looked at each one, I think I'm very low eight. Okay. So I was thinking, uh, maybe I didn't define this well, 10 would be like very good and one would be not so good. Okay. So to me on a scale of one to 10, um, 10 would be like the highest that you could give yourself and one would be the lowest. And if you did it the opposite, that's totally it's fine. Totally <laughs> it's totally fine. Um, <clears throat> I am just so new at running. I have a ton of questions and don't feel like an athlete. I just don't want to keel over when running. Cindy, that's a great goal right now, right? Oh, we've but had so many if... people tell us that. I just want to be able to get through running without having to lay down on the ground mm -hmm. at the end of it. Yeah. Um, but I think that like, you know, what, what's the big goal that you'd like to, to achieve as well. So now I would love to hear from you guys, like, let us know in the chat in the last couple of minutes, what is your goal? Okay. If you have done the worksheets for today and you have a clear idea of what your goal is, I would love to know what your goal is in the chat. Um, and I would also love to know if you kind of came in to this training thinking you had a goal and maybe the, the sheets made you rethink that a little bit. Um, and like what your goal was or what, what your goal is now. Um, I'd love to kind of hear. And if you guys have any questions about any of the content from day one or day two, we can feel free to put that in the chat now. Okay. Yeah. I bet Cindy's got a bigger goal than not keeling over. Yeah, exactly. So when you start to get clear on your why, when you start to get clear on your goals, when you start to set timelines, okay, that make sense for you with where you are in your life right now and where, you know, all the other things that are going on in your life, right? Like, think about that. A lot of people say, okay, I want to train for a half marathon. Fantastic. Okay. But right now I have a newborn at home and I'm also ch chasing a promotion at work. And I've got, you know, my oldest son is going off to college and, you know, there's all these other life things that are happening. And so I always ask, okay, is right now when you want to do that half marathon, is that Will that fit? Will that training actually fit into your life right now? Because I think so many people try to take a training plan and try to like squeeze it into their life 
and like try to fit a square peg in a round hole and it just doesn't work, right? But instead, if we were more intentional and we got more specific about, you know, okay, like, let, let's look at the big picture here. Let's look at my life and everything that I've got going on right now. Is this something more that I want to add onto my plate? You know, right now, maybe the answer is no. Maybe, maybe a half marathon is not what you want to add to your plate right now, but maybe you still want to run and you want to build up to that half marathon in six months, nine months, a year. Fantastic. What should you be doing right now? Okay. How do we take a big goal and break it down into smaller goals so that we know what do I need to do right now to set me up for the most success in six months, nine months, a year, three years, whatever it might be. All right. Penny had a good comment here that her plan, her thought wasn't specific enough. What's yeah. your suggestion on this one? She wants to stay fit and healthy. Is it start by defining what fit and healthy means to you? Yes. Because to, to me, that makes the most sense. Yeah. What, what does, what does fit and healthy mean, Penny? Like, I think that's, that's my first question. Cause my definition of fit and healthy might be different than your definition of it. Yeah. Once so yeah, you, once you clear have on that the real clear on the definitions, then you can say, okay, so these are the steps I need to do to maintain what <laughs> fitness is. To right. Me. Exactly. Letitia, to be able to run strong and injury free for a long time and get rid of the fear of another injury. Yeah. It's so disappointing when you get hurt. It breaks my heart to the point I considered quitting it, but I love running. And I think it's so unfortunate to me. And it really breaks my heart too. When I see runners quit because they're like, oh yeah, I tried that, but I just kept getting injured. So they just, I, I guess running's not for me, you know, or my body's not made for running. I've heard that one a lot of times too. Um, or you go to your doctor and because you, you have started running and you've been running all your runs at like that level six, right? So your knee starts to hurt and you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, we'll just stop running. You're 55 years old. Why would you be running? Go, go do something else. Go do something low impact mm -hmm. instead. And that drives me bonkers. <laughs> it's a, a major trigger for me. Okay. You can do anything you want as long as you do it the right way, as long as you do it the right way for you and your body, okay? You have to strength train. You have to eat, run easy, okay? You have to put some speed work in there, okay? There's ways that we can put um, things together in a way that's right for you. And we're gonna be going into those details on day three. So make sure you guys join us live on day three um, because we're gonna be putting everything together, okay? Even if you missed day one, even if you missed some of this one or you had to jump off early, make sure you guys join us for day three, okay? Because we're gonna be putting all of those things together to teach you the pieces that need to go into that training plan um, to make it right for you. All right. Uh, what else do we have to run Chicago marathon this year? Train smart without injury. Awesome. Christine, Beautiful. do you already have a plan for that? Um, Jen says breaking 145 and a half. Awesome. I ran a 152 in April and I'm looking to December working through red S right now. Yeah. With a sports dietitian. Um, yep. You might have to take a, a step back. Yeah. Cause you know, again, That's overall health is the most important thing, right? It's hard to chase performance goals when your body's not, um, actually healthy. Cindy says, I really enjoy running and actually participating in races was so fun. Yay. I'm thankful at 60. I am able to run and stay healthy. I love it. I want to see how far I can run while staying healthy. I love that. That's a goal. That's a good one. Meredith, the goal is to work on hip and glute strengthening. Longer term, I'm running Gasparilla in February. Sweet. Meredith's a pirate. <laughs> <Arr>. <laughs> 
Um, Sarah says next goal PR two miler and get stronger for military fitness test in September. I love it. The two mile PR is a fun one. Mm -hmm. Like the, the military yeah. test. Cause I haven't pushed somebody for a two miler since so high school. Fun. So fun. All right, you guys, thank you for being here live. Thank you for all of those who that, you know, went back and watched this on the replay. We're going to wrap up day two. We're glad you guys are here. Stick with us. We'll see you guys on Friday for day three. Bye guys. Yeah.